listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Seven Years in Denver by Lola Be Good on Gossamer. She approached the diner with some trepidation. She had called him and asked to meet. She was hoping it would be at his house and not someplace like a local diner. The news she had to share would be startling for him, and she sensed he may make a scene. The bells over the door jingled as she walked inside. He was sitting at a booth drinking coffee and reading the paper. Her breath caught in her throat. He was wearing a suit and looked very much like the molder she knew and loved. She stopped her forward motion and just watched him for a moment as he took another sip of his coffee and absently stared out the side window. He was deep in thought and hadn't even noticed her come in. The old molder would have. She walked over to his table and sat down across from him, clutching the papers in her hands. So, you know I'm me, he said, with less conviction than he wanted to. Yes, yes, I do, she said as she looked down at the papers in her hand and released her grip slightly. And you're here to... he asked. Show you the results, she stalled. Okay, he said casually. Let's take a look. Here are your DNA results, she said, as she laid a sheet with a series of dots on the chipped tabletop. And here are the DNA tests that were performed on Fox Mulder in 1999. He leaned over the pages and looked back and forth between them, unsure of what exactly he was looking at. I see a bunch of blotches, he said, as his eyes lifted to meet hers. They match, she said, as she met his gaze. What, what's that mean? He's a relative? Leo asked. No, DNA is distinct, she replied, as she shifted the papers so they were closer together. Your DNA is his. You are him. He pushed the papers aside and stood up suddenly. I'm sick of this crap. Leo, she pleaded, as she stood opposite him and noticed all eyes looking at them. I am Leo Gray, he said as he pointed at his chest. I don't know what... His speech paused for a moment as an image flashed in his mind. He was standing in the rain, arguing with a younger version of her as they were pelted with a downpour, and she laughed at something he had said. She thought he was crazy. When he came back, she had her hand on his upper arm and was looking at him with a great deal of concern. Leo? Leo, are you okay? She asked with a hint of fear in her voice. He was sweating profusely, and the room seemed suddenly smaller. He reached to loosen his tie. I... I have to leave. He took a step and suddenly felt very sick to his stomach. He lurched backwards and fell heavily into the chair he had just abandoned at their table. Have a drink of water, she said, as she handed him some, and placed a hand on his forehead, checking his temperature. He took the glass from her and took a small sip, continued to look down at the ground. Mole. Leo, she corrected herself. What just happened there? Leo, you okay? a waitress asked as she approached the pair. I think he just needs some air, Scully answered for him, as he continued to silently drink the water. Leo, you need me to get Dr. Blair? A man in a baseball cap asked. Leo just shook his head in the negative and still didn't look up. I'm okay, everyone, thanks, he said as he raised his head up. Just a little flu bug. Everyone seemed to sigh with relief around him and go back to what they were doing. You should take some vitamin C, the waitress said before she turned to leave. It works for my heart every time. Thanks, Kate, he smiled weakly at her. I'll get some. Scully reached into her purse and dropped ten dollars on the table before she grabbed his arm and helped him get up. I'm taking you home. I have to get back to work, he said weakly, as he stood with her help. Is that why you're in the suit? She asked, interested. 
I had a presentation this morning, and I forgot to bring a change of clothes, he said as they walked out of the diner. She wanted to tell him that he used to wear a suit all the time, but right now she was more interested in getting him home safely than revealing more information to him. He seemed to have a hard enough time with what she'd already said. She helped him into her rental car and started the drive to his house. I have to call them at the office, he said meekly as he continued to sweat and pull at his shirt and tie. At a stoplight, she reached over and undid his tie and the first few buttons of his shirt, pulling it wide so he could cool off. She was filled with other memories of times she had undone his shirt in other circumstances. The light went green and someone honked behind her, drawing her out of her reverie. You can call from your house, she said as she pulled onto his street. Why is this happening? he asked as his breath quickened. I think you're having a panic attack, she said softly. You show all the... No, he shook his head weakly. She suddenly realized that he wasn't asking why he was feeling this way. He is asking why his perfect life had been suddenly turned upside down. For that, she had no answer. She pulled into his driveway and helped him out of her car. Taking the keys from him, she let them into his house. She followed him to the bedroom where he flopped down on a queen-size bed and groaned. Her medical instincts kicked in, and she mechanically walked over to him and turned him onto his back. He was silent as she pulled off his tie, undid the rest of his shirt, and pulled the covers up over his body. She went to step away and thought better of it for a moment, before she leaned over his frame and pulled his undershirt down his chest slightly looking for the gunshot wound she had inflicted many years ago. It wasn't there. She checked the back of his neck for the tell-tale bump that would indicate he wasn't the real Mulder. There was none. She left the room for a moment and came back with a wet cloth that she placed at the back of his neck. She felt his forehead again and noted that his sweating had slowed and his heart rate was almost back to normal. Do you have any Tylenol? she asked. Kitchen, he groaned as he rolled onto his side. She left him in the bedroom and walked into the small kitchen. Opening one cupboard after another, she searched amidst Opening one cupboard after another, she searched amidst plates, cups, mugs, and pantry items for medicine. Finally, she came to the right cupboard and grabbed the Tylenol. As she went to the fridge to fill a glass with water from the dispenser, she noticed a series of pictures held up with magnets that caused her to pause. Mulder and Amy in a tropical rainforest with backpacks. Mulder and Amy on a beach in bathing suits. Mulder and Amy in a European city sitting at a cafe. And Mulder and Amy camping amidst huge mountains. In every picture, they were both smiling with their arms around each other, relaxed and happy. She hadn't seen Mulder that relaxed in a long time. Possibly ever. She forced herself to look away from the pictures long enough to fill the glass, but couldn't help chance one last glance at him happy. She walked into the bedroom and handed him the pills and the glass of water, unable to make eye contact with him. Thanks, he said as he sat up slightly, so he could drink the water and down the pills. You're going to be okay she said reassuringly, although she didn't believe it herself. I don't know about that, he groaned as he lay back down. Do you still feel dizzy? she asked as she sat on the edge of his bed. Not so much anymore, he said as he closed his eyes. Get some sleep, she said as she patted his hip. He drifted off without another word. She sat for a long time, watching his body rise and fall with each breath. She reached over and brushed a wayward strand of hair off his forehead and briefly touched his lips as she retracted her hand. He was always beautiful, but especially so when he slept. She heard a door open and then close, and her eyes snapped to the bedside clock. She had been watching him sleep for almost two hours, but it had seemed like two minutes. Scully jumped up off his bed and walked toward the noise and in the process walked right into Amy. What are you doing? Amy snapped when she saw her. Shh, Scully said 
as she nodded her head toward the bedroom. Don't shush me in my own house, Amy snapped as she pushed past Scully. Scully watched as she walked up to Leo. Leo? She said softly as she placed a hand on his face. Her touch was loving and thoughtful. Amy? He groaned. Yeah, it's me. She smiled down at him. I had another one, he said softly. This time I lost my balance and... and I thought I was going to throw up. It's okay, baby, she said softly. I'm going to call Dr. Blair and get you in later today and... Okay, he said softly as he drifted back off to sleep. She turned and saw Scully watching from the door to their bedroom. Amy walked past her and into the living room. Scully followed him. You mind telling me why you are stalking Leo? She asked with her arms crossed over her chest. And why you are in my house? Miss Richards, Scully began, as she assessed the woman before her. I was meeting with Leo about an FBI matter, and I drove him home because he appeared to suffer from a panic attack. FBI? She asked, confused. Scully looked at her closely. Amy was tall, thin, muscular, and she had a kind face. She looked younger than her almost forty years, and hardly had a wrinkle on her face. We've been searching for him for eight years, Scully explained. What? She asked. What the hell are you talking about? Leo wouldn't hurt a fly. Ma'am, he's not wanted. He's... Get out, she ordered. Miss Richards, I'm trying to... Scully stammered. You have no right to be here without a warrant, and I am asking you to leave my house immediately, Amy said with purpose. I will get the best lawyer for him before you speak with him again. He's done nothing wrong. Just keep an eye on his fever, and... I can take care of him. Thank you, she said with force, as she opened the front door. Scully stole a glance towards the bedroom and then walked out the front door. She had already started to fuck up everyone's life. The CT scan you did in Denver showed no difference in your cranium, but I want to order an MRI just to get some more specific results, Dr. Blair said as he leaned against his desk. He's been having his flashes more frequently, Amy offered as she held on to Leo's hand. Is that true? Dr. Blair asked. Eight months ago, I got them maybe once every couple of weeks. Now... Now it's about one a day, Amy finished for him. Leo nodded to confirm what she had said. And the nausea? The doctor asked. I used to feel a little queasy, but today... Today it was the worst it's ever been, he said as he slumped in his seat. I think maybe we should... A knock came to the office door. Come in, Dr. Blair called obviously frustrated. Sorry to interrupt, his receptionist apologized. This just came in FedEx, and I thought I'd give it to Leo before I left. She walked over to Leo and handed him an envelope. Thanks, he said with a weak smile. Leo, what's that? Amy asked. I'll tell you later, he whispered. So I'm going to get married to set up an emergency MRI in Denver, Dr. Blair explained. They both nodded. Happy they were going to get the results soon. Now, Dr. Blair cautioned, by emergency, I mean sometime in the next month. But it's an emergency, Amy pleaded. And Denver is backed up with hundreds of emergency requests, Dr. Blair explained. I'll do my best. That's all I can promise. Leo went to stand, and Amy followed suit. Thank you, Doctor. We'll get this figured out, Leo. Don't worry. I know you will. Leo said as he shook Dr. Blair's hand. The couple walked from the office, and Amy couldn't take her eyes off the envelope under Leo's arm. You going to tell me about that? She asked as she nodded toward the package. Yeah, just give me a second, Leo said as they walked towards the car. He ripped open the top of the envelope and looked at the single sheet encased. He had to read the word, match, about six times before it registered. He somehow knew that would be the result, but he hoped it could have been different. Leo? She asked as she watched his face contort. Amy? That FBI agent? He began. 
The woman who's stalking you? She asked, concerned. Uh, yeah, her, he said as he shifted his feet. What about her? Amy asked, suddenly uneasy. She knows me. She knows me from before I came here, he said awkwardly. Were... were you involved? Amy asked as she brought her one hand up to hold her arm protectively over her. I... I think so, but that's not... What do you mean, you think so? She asked, shocked. That's what I'm trying to say, he said. Leo, I don't under... She said with tears in her eyes. Amy, he said as he grabbed her shoulders. Just listen to me for a second, will you? Okay, she croaked out. That agent, Agent Scully, has been looking for someone. Her partner in the FBI for eight years, he said out of breath. She thought I was him, but I didn't believe her. There was no way I was him, but she insisted. So, so I did some blood work to prove her wrong, to get her off my back. And? And she did blood work, but I also got Dr. Blair's office to run the same test for me. Amy, both tests came back a match. What? What do you mean? Are you related to him? No. What I'm saying, he swallowed hard, is that somehow I am him. What? She asked, stunned. How can you be him? I... I don't know. He sighed. I just know that I think somehow the flashes I've been having are related to this. But you are Leo, she said, as she put a hand on his chest. You are you. I'm still me, he said softly as he pulled her towards him. And I still love you. She looked up at him, stunned by the revelation. She thinks you're FBI? He nodded his head. I don't understand. She started. I think she owes us both some answers, he said, as he kissed the top of her head. She buried her face in his chest and wondered how the hell this could be happening to them. They had exchanged pleasantries and now sat awkwardly across from each other. Scully couldn't help but notice how Amy gripped Leo's hand and how their hips rubbed up against the other as they sat. Walter had wanted to come with her for this meeting, but she insisted she'd be fine. Now, she wasn't so sure. So, we have some questions, Leo began, as he turned to look at Amy. The first one is, how did Fox Mulder go missing? I, I think I should start at the beginning before we get into... I'd just like to know, Agent Scully, he said tiredly. She looked at his weary expression and realized how all this information must be impacting him. You were investigating an alien ship with our boss, and somehow you were taken, she said simply. Amy laughed nervously. Okay, now really, Leo said as he smiled at Amy. Leo, you and I investigated cases for a division called the X-Files, she began serious. It's a branch of the FBI that looks into paranormal and unexplained phenomenon, and aliens were part of our investigations. The FBI investigates aliens? Leo asked, confused. Scully swallowed hard. Yes. And Fox Mulder did this? He asked. Yes. He actually was assigned to the X-Files before I joined him, Scully said. I was sent to the division to spy on you. Him. But I didn't, and... So, you're not only an FBI agent, but a spy? Amy asked, confused. No. Well... Yes, but they put me there thinking I'd work against you. But instead, I came to agree with you, she stumbled. And this Mulder guy went missing seven years ago? He asked. Actually, almost eight years ago now, she said. So if I'm him and... Leo said haltingly. I've been in Keystone for seven years, but you say I've been gone for almost eight. Where's the missing year? I don't know, she admitted. Maybe they were doing testing. Maybe, maybe that's when they reprogrammed you to think you're Leo Gray. You make it sound like he's a robot, Amy said frustrated. We have seen evidence of this in the past. People who have had their memories taken 
and new ones put in place, Scully explained. But it's never perfect. There are always remnants left over. Remnants? he asked, suddenly very uncomfortable. He felt Amy squeeze his hand tighter. Flashes of the previous life. Pictures. Sounds. Memories, Scully explained, as she looked closely at him, knowing she had hit a nerve. A feeling like you've been somewhere before. Have knowledge that you couldn't possibly have. Amy and Leo exchanged worried glances. I sense you know what I'm talking about, Scully said hesitantly. Leo suddenly got up from his spot on the couch and walked toward a door. Mold, Scully started to call. Leo raised his hand for her to stop. Then he walked out of the room. Amy and Scully sat across from each other, appraising the other covertly. He walked back into the room, holding a large, spiral-bound book. He silently handed it to her and sat back down with Amy, putting his arm protectively around her shoulder as he did. Scully opened the book and was immediately struck by an image of a young Samantha Mulder drawn in detail before her. Oh, she gasped. You know her? he asked quietly. She's your younger sister, Scully said, as tears came to her eyes. He turned his face toward Amy and breathed quietly as he nuzzled the side of her face. Amy was already crying quietly next to him. Scully turned page after page and saw some things she recognized and some she did not. Images of William Mulder in the house in Martha's Vineyard and Diana Fowley were familiar, but other people and places were not. You drew these? she asked as she met his eyes with more tears in her own. He nodded. These images started about eight months ago. Leo was a very talented sketch artist in his spare time and had started drawing the images that flashed through his mind so he could try to somehow make sense of them. She came to an image of the lone gunman and paused, a smile coming to her face. These are your friends, she said, as she pointed to the drawing. They might be able to fill in some more details that I can't. Maybe my sister can help me remember some more too, he said absently. Scully's head snapped up to look at him, and he knew instantly that something was wrong. She can't, can she? he asked. She was... she was taken when you were twelve, and it was your life's work to find her. You were relentless in your pursuit, but came to understand that she died a long time ago. Oh, he said, as he swallowed hard and choked back a sob he didn't realize he had for this little girl he didn't know. So you're saying that all his memories of his life, they're false? Amy asked with a shaky voice. Up until seven years ago, yes, Scully said definitively. And until then, he had a whole other life. One that's coming back to him with these memories? Amy asked as she cried. Yes. Scully said quietly. Oh my god, she gasped. It'll be okay, he said reassuringly, as he rubbed her arm and leaned into her frame. Just because I had that life doesn't change anything about us. Scully could see he was being braver than he felt, that his reassurance was for himself as much as her. She knew him better than anyone else ever would. But you're not you, Amy said loudly, her own voice surprising even her. I'm still me, he said softly, as he kissed her cheek. I'm still me. Scully looked away from the couple. The affection that he was offering Amy made her want to run from the room screaming. This was all wrong. Everything about this was completely wrong. Right now, she felt like she was going to throw up. I, I want to know it all, he said, as he looked at Scully with tears in his eyes. I want to know all about this other life of mine. I can't, I can't go on not knowing. Okay, she said slowly, not knowing if he wanted to start hearing about it now or not. I'm going to take a few days off work and... I can't believe this, Amy sobbed quietly. This is... A nightmare, Scully finished for her. Amy looked up at her and their eyes met. They were the two people in the room that understood each other best. They both loved him. Amy nodded slowly, understanding dawning on her. The woman across from her had lost this man eight years ago. Her life had fallen apart in an instant, 
Amy knew that feeling all too well. Can... can we meet tomorrow? Leo asked as he rubbed his thigh with his hand. You can come here, or I can... I'll come here, she said. Can I take this sketchbook to make copies? He nodded. Scully rose from her seat and walked toward the door as the couple stayed seated, still too shocked to move. I've had your file sent out here. Some medical records, personal things, she said, as her hand clasped the handle. I hope that all of this helps. I know it's got to be overwhelming. Leo nodded mutely from the couch, and Amy stared out the living room window deep in thought. I'll see you tomorrow, Scully said softly, before she walked outside into the cool night air. She had filled Walter in on the basics of the meeting and at the end of the conversation handed him the sketchbook. Oh my god, he said, as he looked at the pictures before him. I know, she sighed. I know. So he's been having flashbacks and drawing what he saw? For about eight months, Scully explained. I stopped and had it photocopied at a 24-hour place on the way back. Walter Skinner looked at her tired face. The hour and a half drive back and forth to Keystone countless times over the last few days had taken their toll on her. And he wants to meet again tomorrow? he asked. He wants to know everything, she yawned. It was almost midnight. And are you going to tell him everything? Walt asked, curious. I don't know yet, she admitted. Why? he asked. He seems so happy, she explained. I already feel guilty about what I've done to him. To them. But? Walt asked. But? But he has a right to know, doesn't he? Dana, Walt said as he walked over to her and pulled her into a hug. As much as I hate to admit it, he does deserve to know. She nodded into his chest. You're a good man. Sometimes I wish I wasn't he said softly into her hair. I know, she said quietly. Sometimes I wish... What? he asked, scared of what she was about to say, but wanting to know anyways. Sometimes I wish I hadn't stopped to get Will a book, and then... Then how would I have ever known? she said as she looked up at his strained face. It would have been better for everyone. Walter nodded his head. He couldn't lie to her. But you did. And now we're here, Dana, he said, as he caressed her cheek. I think he needs to hear everything else first, she said, as her eyes started to drift close. I think that Will needs to be the last thing he hears about. Whatever you want, Walter said, as he pulled away from her. But you need some sleep, and... And I think tomorrow we check out of here and into a new place in Keystone. But Denver has resources, and... Dana... Almost everything came today, he said softly. The only thing you need to do now is tell him the truth. You don't need anything in Denver to do that. She nodded her head in agreement. He was right. Thank you, she said softly. He walked her over to the bed and slowly helped her peel her clothes off before she crawled into their bed. You coming too? She asked wearily. Yeah, just give me a second, he said as he switched off most of the lights. Walter looked down at the large 8x10 glossy of Fox Mulder with his arm around Dana that was sitting on a table in Wince. It was taken when they were in the field one day. They were both wearing FBI jackets, and Mulder had his arm around her. They were just friends at the time, but Walter sensed there was more to it for him. There was something about the look on his face in the picture. He had always known that Mulder had loved her for a long time before they became involved, and this photo seemed to capture all of that. He hoped that Leo didn't realize how much Mulder had loved Dana, because Walter was scared of what that kind of love would do to her again. He turned off the last light and walked over toward their bed. He stripped down to his boxers, and when he settled in bed, he felt her snuggle up against him and kiss him softly on his shoulder. Walter pulled her tightly against him and hoped that his grip was strong enough. Leo had a fitful night's sleep, and the dreams he had whenever he closed his eyes kept him waking up time and time again. He questioned everything he saw and felt in those dreams. Were they concocted by the people who took him, or were they actual events and people? The whole experiences seemed to be disconcerting. The memories were coming back to him faster now, and with more clarity. 
He wasn't sure if that was a good or bad thing. Amy mumbled in her sleep next to him and rolled toward him, throwing a leg over his hip in the process. She seemed to be taking all of this information badly, but then again, who wouldn't? The crying was what upset him the most. He could count on one hand the number of times she had cried about their relationship in the six years they had been together, and he seemed to be hurting that average over the last couple of days. Leo didn't want to hurt Amy. It was the last thing he desired. But he also felt this overwhelming need to find out about himself, his true self. He had been someone else, someone very different every day of his life until seven years ago. Leo sensed that this overwhelming feeling to find out the truth was somehow linked to the man he once was. Agent Scully held most of his answers. Images of her had started to come fast and furious in his mind. The way she smelled, how her heels clicked when she walked, her unflinching desire to prove herself, his attraction to her. The younger version of her seemed softer, more open to humor, and less worried than the older version of her he'd met a couple of days ago. He wanted to know what had happened in her life that had changed her. Leo got up out of his bed and walked toward the guest bedroom. He was sure there was another sketchbook in there, and he had some more pictures to draw. She had spent the better part of the morning packing, contacting the lone gunman, and doing anything and everything else to keep her mind off the conversation she was about to start with Mulder. Leo. She had been relatively quiet as Walter drove her out to Keystone. She was trying to think of all the details of his early life he had shared with her. There were bologna sandwiches, his mother's card game parties, an annoying little sister, all-day pick-up baseball games, a collie named Rasputin, a science fair he took second place at, a friend whose house had burned down, and the fair that came to town each summer with the mermaid act. There was his uncle, the amateur magician, his aunt who liked to stuff him with food because he was too skinny, his summers as a teenage lifeguard, the year they won the high school basketball championship, the time his father took him hunting, and he killed a deer, and then was a vegetarian for months afterwards, and his first girlfriend, Sarah Sheldrick. He told her about the first time he had sex in the back of his mother's station wagon, the prom he showed up stoned to, his horrible roommate that first term at Oxford that had foot fungus, his twisted relationship with Phoebe, and his summer at his friend's country estate in the Lake District. She had anecdotes about his early love for Star Trek, his obsession with Omega Man, his love of card games, his Bowie worship, and his fear of fire. She also had tough memories to share, like his sister's abduction, his mother's affair, his father's drinking problem, the identity of his biological father, his family's secrets. She wasn't sure how much he and Amy could take at once. Why don't I go over later this morning myself, she asked, breaking the silence of the car, and then you can go over in the evening with his file. Maybe you can go over it with him? Are you sure you don't want to be there too? Walter asked, surprised at her request. No, she said, as she turned to face him. I think after the history lesson this morning, I'm going to need a break as well. It's sometimes a little too much. He nodded his head, happy she was finally acknowledging the impact all of this was having on her as well. And besides, he may need some time to... to process our work before he has any questions for me she said as she shifted in her seat. He dropped a hand onto her thigh and gave her a little squeeze. Not everything has to be out there all at once. We could take some time. He's lost eight years, Walter, she sighed. Don't you think he's lost enough time? He knew she was right, but part of him wanted to delay the inevitable just a little bit longer. Dana Scully sat in her car, looking out at the beautiful mountains in front of her. She had done what was needed, shared his early history with him to the best of her knowledge. Leo and Amy had taken it all fairly well. Memories seemed to be coming to him more easily over the last day. He no longer relied on flash images, but he seemed to have more background and sensory perception tied to the images. The nice stories had been the easy ones to share, 
and slowly they had linked some of the stories with the images he had drawn and memories he had recovered. The girl was Samantha. The man holding the drink was his father. The girl in the back of the car having sex with him was not his first girlfriend, Sarah, who only let him make out with her, but his second girlfriend, Lena, who used him to get back at her boyfriend. The other sketch of a naked woman being kissed up her body looked like Diana Fowley. He remembered that they had once been lovers and that she heard him. Scully said that the lone gunman could fill him in on more details about that relationship. The masturbation sketch opened up a whole new topic on Mulder's porn predilection. The picture of her laughing across from him in the rain caused her to pause and run her finger over it gingerly. She had made several copies of that one at the printer's last night. At times, when the conversation was involving sex, Scully felt extremely uncomfortable in front of Amy and Mulder. She almost felt like she was telling a man who had been drugged with rohypnol what had been done to him while he was unconscious. It felt like a violation that she knew about his history, and he didn't. He had vague ideas, but nothing concrete. Once he asked how she knew so much about him, sensing there was more to their relationship than just friendship. He had sensed that about them since she went with him to the Northfield. She and Amy locked eyes, and Scully merely answered that he was a close friend, and they talked about a lot while they were on long car drives and doing surveillance. Other times, the conversation was more difficult. Telling him about his family's secrets had brought up a past that seemed drastically different than the idyllic one that it coincided with. He asked a lot of questions, and Amy clarified some points. In the end, he came to understand that his childhood was a sort of paradox, happy in many aspects, but obviously dysfunctional in others. Hours later, she had lied and said she needed to meet with someone. In reality, she needed to get away from them. Watching them work as a team to uncover his past had been harder than she expected. It was obvious beyond any doubt that Mulder was deeply in love with this woman, that she was everything to him and it seemed to be the same for her. It used to be that way for them, and Scully was having a hard time accepting this new reality in front of her eyes. Tears flowed slowly down her cheeks as rain started to mist on her windshield. The ring of her phone brought her back to reality. She looked down and saw her mother's cell number. Her heart started to race. She'd just spoken with her mom and Will this morning. They wouldn't be calling her now unless it was an emergency. Hello? she gasped. He's okay, her mother said quickly. But he broke his arm at school and we're getting a cast put on it right now. He what? she yelled. He was goofing around in gym class and he ended up going pretty hard into a wall. The doctor said it was more the angle that he hit the wall than the force of. Have they checked him for head injuries? Scully asked as she started her car. Yes, Dana, and he's fine. Just a little battered. Margaret Scully explained. He wants to talk to you, though. Put him on, Scully said, as she maneuvered into traffic and headed toward Denver. There was a shuffle on the other end of the phone. Hi, Mom, Will said sadly. Hey, Will, she said softly. You're getting a cast? Yeah, they said it'll have to stay on for a few weeks, so I might have it for the wedding. Sorry, he apologized. Don't be sorry, Will, she said quickly. I'm just glad you're okay. I cried in front of everyone, he said, embarrassed. I dare any other seven-year-old to break their arm and not cry, she said with conviction. He laughed on the other side of the phone. Did you lose consciousness or have any blurred vision? No and no, he said, used to her medical questions when injuries occurred. Okay, she breathed deeply. Are you coming home soon? I'm on my way to the airport right now, she said, as she followed Highway 6 to the I-70. I'll be back tonight. Thanks, Mom, he said quietly. I, uh, chose a blue cast. Are you going to sign it? Yeah, I'll sign it, she said reassuringly. I'm, I'm just glad you're okay. I love you, he whispered into the phone, as if he didn't want the others in the room to hear. I love you too, baby. She smiled at her son's embarrassment. I'll see you tonight. 
The line went dead, and she hit the gas a little harder before she dialed Walter's cell phone and told him what happened. He was on his own with Mulder for a bit because she needed to get back to Will. She reminded him to let the gunman know that Will was off the topic list, that she would tell Mulder when it was the right time. Until then, the four of them could fill him in on all the other stuff she hadn't. Walter told her to give Will a hug for him, and asked her to call him when she got in. He wanted to know how Will was, and let her know how the meeting with Mulder had gone. Dana Scully hung up her phone and drove a little faster. Walter Skinner sat uncomfortably in Leo and Amy's living room holding on to an important file. He just ran to the store, Amy said, as she sat a glass of lemonade down in front of the serious-looking man. We weren't sure when you'd show. She sat down opposite him. Walter noted that Mulder had been a lucky man in both his lives. First, he had the opportunity to love a smart, beautiful woman like Dana Scully. The second time through, he was lucky to love a warm and pretty woman like Amy Richards. So you were Leo's boss at the FBI? Amy asked as she shook her head. I'm sorry, every time I say something like that, I expect someone to jump out and say I'm on candid camera. How have you and... Leo been dealing with all of this, Walter asked. You know, I think it's sort of surreal, she said, as she crossed and recrossed her arms over her lap and tears filled her eyes. I have only known him for just over six years, and the life he told me about when we met, the one where he lived in Australia and went to college for engineering, well, it's not like I was part of it or anything, but... but it's still upsetting. Walter nodded his head in understanding. That being said, Amy continued as she sniffled, I just can't imagine Leo chasing after aliens or being an FBI agent. He hates wearing suits. Walter laughed. He wore a suit to work every day that I knew him. It's, it's really nice of you to come out here to help Leo understand all of this, Amy said with a soft smile. You're still with the FBI? I'm Deputy Director of Counterterrorism in Washington, Walter said proudly. I'm sure your time... I'm here until all of this is cleared up, Walter explained. Mulder was one of my best field agents, and I want to make sure he's okay. She's really been looking for him for eight years? Amy asked, slightly stunned. He nodded his head that she was correct. She seems like she's awfully committed to him, Amy mused. They must have been very close. They worked together for years and were through a lot, Walter explained. They came to trust each other like no one else. Sounds like you were quite a fan of theirs, Amy said as she smiled at him. They were a great team, he said, sitting up a little straighter and taking a drink of his lemonade. They had one of the highest solve rates at the Bureau. Can I ask, what was he like? Amy asked, interested as she grabbed a nearby Kleenex. He was relentless in his pursuit of the truth. He risked his own life countless times to find his answers, Walter chuckled. Most of the time, I thought he was a bit of a pain in the ass. Scully had to... Scully? she asked. Yeah. She and he used to call each other by their last names, he said, reminiscent. I'm not sure how it got started, but I don't ever remember them calling the other by their first names. They sat quietly across from each other. Uh, you said he was a pain and Scully had to... Amy asked. Oh, Scully was the one who... Just then, the front door opened and Leo fumbled his way inside with a couple of bags from the grocery store. I was wondering whose car that was, Leo said seriously as he set down his bags. I wasn't sure when you were... Amy already explained, Walter said, shocked at the ghost who stood before him as he extended a hand to Leo. I'm Walter Skinner. I used to be your boss at the bureau. Leo looked at the large, bald man who stood before him. He was older, but very fit, and he commanded your respect. At the FBI? Leo confirmed as they shook hands. I've seen you before. In my... my memories. I brought a file for you to look at, he said, as he looked toward something sitting on the table. It's the night you were abducted. I was with you. I've had others sent out, and they should be arriving tonight. Oh. That's right, the aliens, Leo said, unbelieving. Leo, Amy warned. Sorry, Leo said as he smiled meekly. 
I just find the whole alien thing. You and I both, Walter agreed. But I've seen evidence of them, and now I can't deny it. Well, let's see what you've got, Leo said, as he sat on the couch. Walter handed him the file, and Leo didn't open it for a moment. Were we friends? Leo asked Walter. I'd like to think we were, Walter explained. You were sort of a lone wolf, and the only person you let get really close to you was Scully. Leo opened his mouth as if to ask a question, and then closed it before any words escaped. He looked down at the file in his hands and opened it up. Leo had lots of questions about some of the other people mentioned in the file. Alex Krychek, Marita, and the gunman. Walter answered them to the best of his ability, but said that the gunmen were arriving tomorrow and would have more answers for him. Wow, you guys are pulling out all the stops, Leo noted with some awe. You were important to a lot of people, Mole, Leo, Walter explained. Why did I refuse to let Agent Scully go with me to the site? He asked, interested. It says here that she was having some issues with vertigo. She fainted in the field, and you called for medical attention, Walter explained. And? And in typical Scully fashion, she refused help, but your concern for her was such that... What do you mean, in typical Scully fashion? Leo asked. The two of you... You both seem to find trouble, but persevere through it no matter what condition you are in, Walter said with a smirk. When more files get here, you'll understand. Why don't you enlighten me a little? Leo said, as he put the file of his abduction down. Has Dana told you that she was also abducted? Twice? Walter asked, not sure if he should walk into this territory so late at night. No, she told me about my childhood and the years before I joined the FBI, but she and I haven't talked about our time as partners yet, Leo explained, as Amy got up to carry their coffee mugs into the kitchen. Did she lose years as well? No, Walter said, as he shook his head sadly. She lost other things. What kind of... Leo started to ask. Suddenly, he had a flash of him yelling at doctors and nurses about her as he bulldozed through a hospital. He wanted to know how she got there and what her condition was. He looked into a room and saw her pale and hooked up at machines, and he suddenly felt very sick. Leo got up from his spot on the couch and ran to the washroom. Leo! Amy yelled as she ran after him. Walter Skinner listened to him vomit in the washroom. A few minutes later, Leo returned to the living room, wiping his face with a towel and looking very clammy and upset. Amy trailed close behind him. They, they experimented on her, he said with conviction. They, a group of men, they took away her ability to have children, and we found out they gave her cancer. She was gone for months, and I, I was lost. They took her to teach me a lesson. Then they were going to kill her, so I would know they were serious. Walter licked his lower lip and nodded. Everything he had said was correct. She, she was hurt because of me. Because I loved her and trusted her, Leo said slowly. You were there, ordering me out of the room. I, I didn't know about you loving her, but... I did, Leo said softly. I, I loved her for a long time before I said anything did anything. I felt so unworthy of her love because she was so... Walter shifted his feet uncomfortably. Amy walked from the room and quietly shut the bedroom door behind her. She challenged me, he continued, not noticing the reaction of either of them, lost in his own broken memories. She didn't back down. She... she was so beautiful. Walter leaned down and picked up the file sitting on the table. Yeah. Well, Walter said as he cleared his throat. I think I need some information from her, Leo said as he reached for a pen. Is she still staying in Denver? I know I have her number here, but maybe you could just... Uh, no, she left Denver. She got a room here in Keystone, but she had to go back to D.C. for a few days, Walter explained. Back to Washington? Leo asked, perplexed. Yeah, Walter explained. Do you have her number there, so I can... She asked me to handle things for a few days, Walter explained. Your friends are due to arrive in the morning, and between the four of us. A director that takes orders from an academy instructor? 
That seems like an odd chain of command, Leo noted. Walter shifted his legs again and searched for his keys in his pocket as he tried to temper his face from turning even redder than it already was. You... you're interested in her, Leo said as he observed the man. I remember thinking you always had something for her. Walter cleared his throat. I have to pick the guys up in Denver, but we should be here by lunch tomorrow if that's all right, Walter asked as he made a beeline for the door. Leo stood with his back to him as he exited. You two are involved, aren't you? Leo asked loudly. That's why you're here. For her more than me. You're the guy on the other end of the rock she wears. Walter ducked his head and just shut the door behind him. Leo wiped his hand over his face. Everything was becoming all too clear. Leo looked toward the closed bedroom door. Memories were starting to flood his mind, like a set of gates had been opened. He couldn't make sense of everything, but he knew there was a lot he needed to find out, and someone he needed to protect in the process. He walked toward Amy, hoping she'd be okay with what he had to do. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.